We are opening up the off-season mailbag on this Winky Wednesday. Schedule questions. Who do the fans really want to be the quarterback of this football team? I think we have an idea of who the 49ers want and who are the breakout players in 2023. Coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers. Your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you as always at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Thanks everybody for making us your first listen on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Shout out to the everydayers out there taking a break in our uh, deep dive scouting reports on the 49ers rookie class uh, for this little Winky Wednesday episode, which means you know who he is. Today's guest, Mr. Nick Winkler. Nicholas Winkler, come on down. Can't believe it. Wow. What's happening, Wink? Are you pumped to see the 49ers schedule being released and seeing that kind of picturing these games happening in your mind a little bit? Yeah, it was cool. I was actually in Charlotte with my brother. We flew out there for a USC fight and uh, we were at a bar and I was like, oh, look, it's almost time. Like, and so we were watching it live as it was happening. And he's a big Lions fan, too. So yeah. he's like, we got the Thursday night game. Like he was so excited. And so I'm like, just like, yeah. my team's going to play in prime time. Whoa, that's crazy. They got like five prime time games. It's wild what they're doing with the Lions this year. But this is a Lions podcast. No, so, no. But yeah, for the Niners, obviously you're like, ooh, a Christmas game. Yeah, I got, ooh, we're doing Thanksgiving night against the Seahawks. Like, remember that whole thing? Eating the chicken wing on the 50 yard lines? Like, yeah. or the turkey wings. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. going to be a fun one too. So that, no, of course, I'm super excited. You start looking right at like, circle the Seahawks you circle the Rams and then you're like where when's that Eagles game gonna happen and yeah as, as a fan you just you just start getting pumped even though it's months and months away are, are you excited about that opener and I, yeah I know it's not the 49ers but it's still you know we all love just sports and I think everybody's yeah. gonna be sitting around you know you you do a couple of things for sure that first preseason game everybody watches it even though you know preseason yep. sucks and then that first regular season game everyone watches it and it's like the Chiefs and the Lions? Like, there's yeah. not even any, like, significance why? to the game. Right? It's like, why would that be the game? It, it couldn't be the Chiefs versus, I don't know, somebody would anybody to the Chiefs in their season. The Buffalo A playoff Bills, team. You know? Yeah. The Lions didn't make the playoffs last year, right? I mean, maybe it's like a kind of hangover or an extension of hard knocks last year. They're like, these guys are still very, people like them. I think it's genius. Obviously, you got the Super Bowl champ that's going to start the season off on Thursday. But then uh, you got to put the Lions early in the season when you still have hope for relevance before they <laughs> you know, crumble, as they always do. Shout out to Wink's brother, too. We play in a fantasy football league together. And it's I don't know how he becomes a Lions fan. And you become a 49ers fan. I think Barry Sanders might have had something to do with it back in the day. Um, exactly but, right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty wild. By the way, for those of you who don't know, new listeners, not everydayers, become an everydayer, by the way, on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. But uh, today's guest, Mr. Nick Winkler, my former radio colleague, Used to work in the radio biz back in the day in San Francisco and had, had a 49ers podcast that was a precursor to Lockdown 49ers. So we like to get the voices of the fan, as we call them here, uh, weekly on the podcast. I do have a question about the schedule, guys, from a listener on Twitter. Ben says, uh, Warren Sharp just now pointed out the Niners playing Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Jacksonville. All three of those teams coming off their bye in a span of three games in four weeks. Is that overrated or is that a cause for concern getting three well-rested teams off of their bye over the course of one month? 
That's a tough stretch, I think, right? I mean, you, you don't want to take on a team who has two weeks to play against you, right? They're rested. But then again, you look at the flip side. And then, you, you know, you try to find the positive and you're like, well, they're going to be rusty. They, they, they didn't play it in, in two weeks and this and that. And do any of those teams really scare you? I mean, Jacksonville, yeah, they, they look like they could be a good team. But I mean, uh, what are the teams again? Oh, Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati's oh, definitely. Oh, sure, is. sure. You know what? The Cleveland Browns, I don't know what to expect from them. But, you know, n- now that some of the weirdness with Deshaun Watson has calmed down and he gets a real full offseason and a real full season playing football, Again, and there's some talent on that Browns team. All three of those games could be tough ones. And yeah, on one hand, you don't want a team to have two weeks to prepare for you. But on the other hand, I think that uh, rust is a factor with those games. And I don't think the record for teams coming off of I is all that great. So three and four, you don't really love, but Mm. I don't think it's a problem. 49ers handle their business, right? Croc is it's it's, this season's more about the 49ers handling their own stuff and figuring out their quarterback than it's worrying about who the opponents are, I think. Well, I think. When you when you look at the 49ers schedule, I think there's some teams on there that we assume will be bad, but they've been good. So, you know, just example, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I can't use like, they, they, they're pretty good. And I heard someone throwing out some stats about what they've done week one, even last year. I don't even remember who their quarterback was. Was it Mitchell Trubisky? But they beat like what? The Cincinnati Bengals. They beat the, the Bills maybe week one. Or no, the Bengals. One of the yeah. two. They had a big time. Uh, it, and with Trubisky, and they won last year. And then week two, we got the Rams. Right? And a lot of people are penciling in the 49ers, Steelers. Oh, that's a win because Kenny Pickett's a quarterback. And kind of dismissing everything else that they have going on with their roster, which is actually pretty good. And then week two, you got the LA Rams. And we're just assuming, well, 49ers swept them last year. And, you know, they're just going to beat them. But it's like, well, if they're healthy, because that was a big problem with them yeah. last year with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald, who – Missed what the last seven, eight games of the season. I mean, maybe they're good again. Like you just don't know. McVay has had that team ready. This is the that was the only year that they've had a losing record over uh, McVay's tenure. Then you got the New York Giants on Thursday night football. Great in the sense of 49ers first home opener. That's a short week for them, and it's at home. But mm-hmm. the Giants were a playoff team, and could they be better? Right? Because a lot of times, let's say 49ers, if they haven't made the playoffs in a while, they make the playoffs with the first-year head coach, what are you thinking? Oh, next year, we should be really starting to cook, right? Especially with Daniel Jones. That was his first time getting really good coaching. So I feel like there's a lot of those type of games sprinkled all throughout, which we pencil in as wins. But then I look at it, and I'm like, well, this team has a history of actually being either good or they're already trending upward. So I think that's the thing that scares me a little bit, where we put the 49ers like, on this pedestal as if they can't be knocked down and they are one of the favorites in the NFC as they should be. But there are some things where you look at it and like, and I watch a lot of football. I see these teams. There's some teams that could potentially like sneak up and it could be a much better game or more interesting game than a lot of people think. Yeah, is I it just me or do the, do the Niners always start on the road? Like, I feel like it's every single season you're getting one or two games immediately away from Santa Clara. You can blame the fans for that because they complain about the sun. And I don't know if the, the schedule makers factor that in, but what's the one thing? Oh, the sun. Oh, it's too hot. This yeah, was a yeah. constructed uh, stadium. So what do they do? They're like, all right, well, you just won't play at home and have any day games for the first month of the season. As a matter of fact, Until I the clock the changes. And I think, uh, let's see. Yeah. So you got away, away. And you four is your night, first day game. And then, and then your, uh, your first day game is Arizona, yeah, which is October 1st. 
So maybe the sun starts going down just a little bit right there. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> I, I think maybe that's why. I, I don't know. I don't know if the schedule makes interesting uh, factor that in. But people have complained a lot about it. And I saw the 49ers doing some kind of uh, $100 million renovation to the stadium. I don't know what it is, but could it be maybe doing something to shield the, the uh, stands a little bit? They're installing umbrellas on, on every seat on that side of the stadium. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything that can even be done, but it is yeah. no surprising the 49ers are already uh, doing big renovations to a, a relatively new stadium. You know what, Croc? Maybe they're preparing for uh, our credentials and they're building podcast studios in the press box. There we go. There you go. That's the one. We need Dude, that. That's going to be the next thing that happens with new stadiums because you know every every beat writer out there is doing something on their phone, some kind of a update where they need you know uh, they need some kind of quiet or some kind of closet somewhere where they can go get some. You know, privacy and, and record something for, uh, you know, creating some content for their their users and their listeners and their readers. So, uh, really interesting how you know our industry is going to change. You know, football as much as fo- we cover football, and that industry affects what we do. Uh, I think we see the flip of that as is how fans want their content. It's going to have to change how teams build their stadiums. Even uh, one note on week one, I want to ask you guys about. We've got some questions in the hopper here about quarterbacks. Of course, it's a big topic of conversation for the 49ers. And so uh, Brock Purdy versus Kenny Pickett is is an interesting one that I want to throw by you guys. And some more questions here on our Winky Wednesday mailbag next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the high-end protein, low-end calorie, low-end sugar snack that you need because everybody needs the high-protein, low-calorie, low-sugar snack, and it is the best-tasting protein bar ever. You can find them all at Built.com and the new flavors that are on sale right now at Built.com. How about Red Velvet Puff or Birthday Cake Puff? Uh, They did release last month the new peanut butter puff, but they brought back my favorite, the OG peanut butter, just the regular peanut butter bar. It's no frills. There's not any chunks in it. It is just the best protein bar I think that exists on the planet. Peanut butter, OG built bar, 140 calories in that bad boy, a whopping 17 grams of protein. Most built bars have only 130 calories, 140 calories, only four grams of sugar. And a whopping 17 grams of protein. Those are the macros you're looking for in your diet with tons more unbelievable flavors. And Built Bars are covered in 100% real dark chocolate, which really set them off. So um, not only can you find Built Bars at Built.com and all the newest flavors, you can find them on your local store shelves, Walmart or Sam's Club. And of course, Built.com, you can find flavors like Cookie Dough Chunk Puff, Coconut Brownie Strip Bar. Uh, They've even got built granola and built bites and built protein balls. So uh, you can find whatever you like at built.com. Find them all at built.com, Walmart, Sam's Club, and uh, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you. Here we go, guys. This is a question that was brought up to me by my co-host on the Peacock and Williamson Show. Make make sure you're subscribed up daily to that podcast. And he's a, he covers the Steelers. He lives in the Pittsburgh area. I cover the 49ers, live in the 49ers, San Francisco Bay area. And um, we were talking about this game, and he was ecstatic for the Steelers. He's like, well, that's perfect. There's no – if I could have picked when I played the 49ers, it would be week one because of the quarterback mm-hmm. situation. And, and I asked him, I said, okay, um, Brock Purdy versus Kenny Pickett, the first quarterback and the last quarterback drafted in 2022 draft. Uh, in In – their their performance last year, Brock Purdy was better. 
But Kenny Pickett, you know, was the first round pick for a reason. You know, bigger, better arm. Uh, I asked, I asked Williamson. I said, "Who would you rather have, Brock Purdy or Kenny Pickett?" He's like, "Oh, it's not even close. I would take Penny, Kenny Pickett all day long. You drop Kenny Pickett on the 49ers, and they are golden. You drop Brock Purdy on the Steelers, he might have had you know some problems. He doesn't have quite as many weapons, and you don't get Kyle Shanahan. So, what do you guys think about that idea, Kenny Pickett or Brock Purdy?" It's hard to argue it, right? I mean, he, Purdy is surrounded by some of the best at their positions in, in the NFL, and 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 you got a you know this offensive guru in in Shanahan that that he's been studying under. But who who's to say that he doesn't go to Pittsburgh and give that same kind of hundred percent you know devotion and you know and focus to to that offense and 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 could take it over and and bring the best out of a Najee Harris or a Deontay Johnson, you know these guys who severely underperformed last year. Maybe that was Pickett's fault. When I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and kind of how they were constructed last year, it's a little weird. Remember, Najee Harris, a guy who they were really dependent on, at one point is like, is he kind of getting benched yeah. or replaced in this season? They had one of the worst offensive lines in the league. They had to really kind of depend on uh, Pickens to really kind of just make some spectacular catches because the receivers weren't as dynamic, I think, as they would have hoped. Uh, Fryermuth, I believe his name, the tight end, he's really good. but uh, what he missed a lot of the season, so you didn't have this defense that can really kind of carry you along. So I, I would say I don't know who's just better out of the two mm-hmm. quarterbacks, but the Pittsburgh Steelers last season was definitely a uh, a team that didn't afford you the same opportunities as a 49ers team as a whole. Hand size, Brock Purdy, bigger hands. There you go. Uh, at the end of story there. You want to talk about height, weight, speed. What about that hand size, guys? Um, Easy choice. It's Yeah, I can't wait for week one, but it's an interesting conversation. And what's funny is the 49ers have that on their own roster because they have the guy who played well, the seventh-round pick. They also have the first-round pick in Trey Lance that has all the, you know, even more physical tools than than Kenny Pickett. What would he look like in a – what would Trey Lance look like in a Kyle Shanahan offense, guys? I, I wonder, you know, uh, with <laughs> – with Chris McCaffrey and George Kittle, right? Which he hasn't had <laughs> he's played. Right. So that's what's so fascinating to me about all of this is like Trey Lance is still such an unknown. And you, you get to see both of those ideas with the 49ers, I think, potentially. Uh, and it's up to, to Trey, it's up to Trey Lance um, to, to like make that happen. I don't know if you guys heard that, like something. Is that a bird yeah. or something? I think, I hope it wasn't a bird crashing into my window. Office. I think the neighbor like was throwing a ball for his dog and might've flown over the fence or something. Um, I have a question along these lines. This is from Seth on YouTube. By the way, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Drop in for some live shows. You can drop in some questions in the comment section there. He says, question for the Winkinator as the voice of the fan. Who do you think the majority of Niners fans want as QB1? That's a tough call. I mean, because you've got your like really vocal fans, right? That are all over Twitter and, you know, and they're just like, it's either Lance or it's Purdy. Like you got to take a side and, I really think that the majority of 49er fans just want whoever's going to win, right? It's whoever whoever is out there is who the 49er fans are going to back. They're going to support. And if they play poorly, then the most popular man in town is the backup quarterback, right? That's what I, I, I would expect. It kind of goes that way, right? Where even, let's say it is Brock Purdy. And the tough thing for him, he will have an offseason, but not like a true offseason that he right. ideally would like heading into the sophomore year after what he was able to do as a rookie. And maybe there's a little bit of rust. And you come out and you lose to Pittsburgh. And then, oh, okay, well, it's okay. We'll go play the Rams. And all of a sudden, the Rams are like, oh, no, we're back. Psych. We, I know we were bad last right. year, but we're good again. And you lose that. 
the fans, and we've seen mm. how they they will turn on you so fast. So for kid for Kenny Pickett, for Brock Purdy's sake, I hope he you know starts week one and gets off to a fast start. But because if yeah. he doesn't, you know, they always say the most popular player on the team is the backup quarterback, and people will be calling for Trey Lance very, very fast. Quickly. Yeah, yeah. It, it might maybe at halftime. Of the game the one, league is on to him. The league Dude, got on the Brock Purdy. It'll be <laughs> No matter who the quarterback is at this point, and yep. it's sort of like that's one of the things that that I think is maybe the, and I don't think the 49ers care. I don't think John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan think this way, and they're not worried about it because it's not a problem in their locker room. But one of the things you create that the 49ers have created o- over the course of the last few years, just among the fan base and among media, is just this weird like quarterback competition idea. And so I, I think if you're if you are a 49ers fan and you travel to Pittsburgh and you all about it, you spent the money, you, you got a hotel, you got a plane ticket, you're sitting there in the stands, you're pumped for week one, no matter which quarterback it is, whether it's Lance or Purdy or Darnold is in there. If that player throws a pick on the first drive, I'm not talking about first game, first <laughs> half of the season, I'm talking about the first drive of the season. Boo, get him out. I don't care who it is. Like that's sort of the atmosphere that 49ers fans are in right now is like this, like, um, you know, this captivated in the quarterback thing. It's like, oh, this guy, we don't like this guy. Get him out. We want the next guy. And so no matter, I would kind of want to be the second quarterback this year. Right? Like it's almost like I don't want to be the week one guy. I want to be the week two guy that comes in and saves the situation. And that's what Brock Purdy was able to do last year with the expectations on him and not having a full off season. If he comes in at week one and be like, oh, he was never that great. Oh, look, he doesn't have that good of an arm. Oh, no, uh, he's not ready. He's rusty. You know, you get the Jimmy G thing where that was his first couple of seasons. It's like, okay, we looked awesome. Short sample. He's going to be even better once he gets an off season and then gets hurt right away in his second season. It's like, oh, we didn't get the full off season this year. Didn't have a full season off season the first year. And then so you keep and he never kind of took a step and got better than the, fir- the guy we saw in those first five games. Um, so I, I could I. I could see it being really weird from a fan base perspective and not being extremely patient with whoever that starting quarterback is week one and whoever it is needs to start hot if they want to hold on to that job. And I don't know how big the leash is going to be. It would seem like Purdy would have a bigger leash if he was able to start week one. But if Trey Lance starts week one, it doesn't look good. And Purdy's all of a sudden healthy. I can't imagine that lasting very long. You know, yeah. we, we've talked a lot about the slow start by the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan. And I listened to my guy, Vish, and he actually said something that was very interesting. It's not just a 49er thing with Kyle Shanahan. Throughout his entire time, I think being the offensive coordinator, week one, his team averages 17 points a game. And that's with the, the explosion of points in the, uh, the Lions game. Which, you know, mm. part of that came from a pick six by Dre Greenlaw, but I think mm. the 49ers had what 41 points. So even with that 41 points, Kyle wow. Shanahan led offenses week one only averaged 17 points a game. Which isn't great. So like, like the slow start is a real thing. Yeah. Do we think he's trying to get too cute with it, too creative? He's like, I got all these new plans, these new ideas. Nobody's seen them. I'm going to lay down a bunch of film for the rest of the year and just gets too cute with it. Or do you think, you know, that, that teams are up to him and he's sticking to his, to his guns. And he's like, these are, these are the plays that tried and trues. And then the other team's like, yeah, we, we know those are coming. Well, Kyle's main strength. And I don't want to take vicious thunder with what he said, but it goes along these lines of he's a very reactionary coach. Uh, mm. Think about how he coach, right? We, we call him conservative at, at times with the way that he does things. And I think even with how he game plans and schemes, it's most more so about putting certain guys in conflict, right? Hey, we want to call this place because this linebacker 
yeah. likes to do this. And and if I know if he'll if we do this and we show him this, then because of what we've seen on film, he'll come down, he'll take the bait on that, then we can throw this. Well, week one, you don't you don't get that, right? Like you don't know what they're gonna do. Right. You, you might have an idea of some of the things, but if they throw in any new wrinkles, it's a different game plan. I think it just takes him a few weeks to kind of warm up and really get more film on his opponents. And now it's like, hey, I know exactly how this guy plays or this guy. And then he starts to be able to take advantage of that. So maybe that's why you start to see it look a little interesting, I'd like to say, or mm-hmm. weird yeah. to start the year. And then all sense. of a sudden, 49ers really start to cook. And I think that's when he really takes over mentally with what he's able to accomplish offensively. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it is him using, you know, the, the week one, he sees a new defense with new personnel doesn't know exactly how they're going to run their defense because he likes to use defenses rules against them so after a few weeks he has a better idea of what that team is doing that year even though you know he, he should know for the most part what he's going to see in a lot of cases but you know it's a little, little bit newer and he get he's 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 a really good coach and a really good offensive mind obviously and i think the more time he has and the more he knows about what you're going to do the better he's going to be able to attack what you're doing so in other words uh, pump the brakes Right. If 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 quarterback comes out and struggles early, like just give him some time, give him a couple weeks. I will credit Kyle because he hasn't had a quick hook in the past either, because he's had his quarterback and left his guy, and you know they've he's only changed basically because of injury with quarterbacks. Uh, But this year might be a lot different if he knows that Brock. We're just kind of waiting for him to be ready and given Trey a little time to start at the beginning of the year or Darnold, whoever it is. uh, I I think he would have a a longer hook if it is Brock Purdy, who he expected to be the starter, who is the number one guy, the quote unquote starter. He would probably have a longer leash, I would think, than than Trey Lance might just because of the way this is all gone with the quarterbacks. I do want to address one more question that was that was directed toward me about the quarterbacks before we move on to some sleeper breakout players this year for the 49ers. Uh, Francesco on Twitter said at BD Peacock, are you feeling more cold on Purdy now? Uh, that time has passed in recent episodes. It seems you're leaning towards Lance, which I get. I'm just curious if you had time to see stuff on film, et cetera. Uh, no, it's not being down on Brock Purdy at all. I'm just, you know, it's just such a small sample for all these guys that I just don't think we know quite enough and have seen enough. And I think you're doing a disservice to your franchise. If you don't see it through a little bit more with Trey Lance and what he could be, because he still has that higher ceiling than Brock Purdy does. And we, we know what Brock Purdy's, uh, we know how good he played last year, but he's coming off an injury and there are some balls that float and he, there's just some thing like you just look at all the best quarterbacks around the league and Brock Purdy could be the maximum Brock Purdy that's ever Brock Purdy. He's still not Trey Lance. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not uh, Justin Herbert. He's not Josh Allen. Uh, he's not even um, J- Jalen Hurts, right? So you start stacking your team up and it's like, okay, cool. You got a really good quarterback. You get into the Super Bowl. You're not going to win a, a firefight with with Trey with uh, you know Josh Allen or you know with with Patrick Mahomes. So that's I where I think- explain that though, Peacock, because I think people can look at maybe points that the 49ers have scored with him at quarterback, and you see an influx in the numbers, and you're like, well, the numbers say he's scoring this many points, but again, when the you know you, especially as you get kind of deeper and you're in the playoffs, the opponents start getting really tighter, and when you say a firefight with Josh Allen. I mean, we saw what that looked like with Josh Allen versus Mahomes. And they were going tit for tat. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. it's like touchdown, 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 touchdown. That they're that is them. Right. Like you just look at the quarterbacks and you see what they're doing. And I think when you look at Brock Purdy and some of the things he was afforded 
would he be able to do that? Where you're looking at it, it's not the run game. It's not the defense setting up short fields for you. It's like you got to throw the ball up and down the field to keep up with this guy. Are you able to do that? And I think that's something we'll probably learn more of this year. Right, yeah. And maybe he's just a complete surgeon out there, right? And and right. so I've liked a lot from what I've seen with Brock Purdy. And I think in that regard, the 49ers are in a really good position because I think they have an opportunity to have a really good quarterback this year. And I love what I saw from Brock Purdy. But, you know, they're, let's just calm down after eight games of him. You know, we've only seen four games of Trey Lance. So let's let's see this thing through a little bit more. And I think ultimately it'd be nice for the 49ers to have an opportunity to see Trey Lance for four more games and then have a much better picture of, of what these guys are and a healthy Brock Purdy that could then be like, yep, it's Brock. Let's go, Brock. It's your team. That, that that's the way I think would be it would be best to go that way. Uh, I don't know if we all have the stomach for that four weeks of action though, right? Um, and the most interesting will be if if Trey plays well for four weeks and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe it's Trey's team again. And th- that's the thing, dude. It is even a month is an eternity in the NFL. Think about yes. where we were last year, right? Oh, it's Trey Lance's squad going into the year. Brock Purdy probably maybe practice squad for Brock Purdy. Now it's like, oh, leaving the clubhouse, Brock Purdy. Who cares about this number three overall pick, guys? You know, he's maybe we'll see what he can do. You know, uh, it's wild. Like a year is an eternity in the NFL. A couple of weeks is an eternity in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to see that with it, whichever quarterback it is doesn't start hot. There's going to be a big name behind him that some people are going to be clamoring for. And some yeah. some say three names, right? Some people are throwing Darnold in there, too. Well, the, yeah, the and look, Darnold could have could absolutely it, it could be Darnold. Sure, uh, it could be Donald that starts week one. It's like, well, I wouldn't. He beat him. You should expect the best version of Donald that's ever been in the NFL under Shanahan with these weapons. You should expect mm-hmm. him to be his best version. Is that still good? I don't know. Um, because it hasn't been good. His old versions weren't good, so maybe better than that is still bad. But we'll see what, what right. Donald is. That could be, and you know, be like, oh, Donald found a guy. You know, he's that franchise guy. Uh, next, I want to talk about a couple of. We'll each pick one breakout player in 2023. Next. Thanks again, everybody, for making Lockdown 49ers your first listen every day. Shout out to the Everydayers, Croc and I, continuing with our post-draft deep dive breakdowns on all the 49ers rookies, draft picks, and undrafted free agents as we get ready for training camp with you every day here on Lockdown 49ers. Okay. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to cheat, and mm-hmm. I'm going to say breakout player, Trey Lance, since we just talked about it. That doesn't count, though. I think I think we, we need to pick. <laughs> More sleepery players than that. I just wanted to throw that okay. one out first. Wink, you're the visitor. So uh, you go first. How about Drake Jackson? How about a guy who is going to have every opportunity to, to start, right? Opposite Nick Bosa. He's going to have every chance to to get not double teamed, to to get that weak side, you know, to get the 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 not no attention coming his way. And maybe Wilkes can, can bring out the most in him, and he can come out and get a double-digit kind of sack here. I like it. I, I, Trey Lance is, I mean, uh, Drake Jackson is a really good one because I think one thing that gets lost is we go through this portion of the offseason and you're so pumped on the rookies and you're talking about all the rookies and it's much more likely that the second year guys take a leap than the rookies just jump in right away and are, and are superstars. So I, I think, I mean, year two is where I'm going to go with mine unless Croc steals mine. Croc, uh, what do you think about a, a breakout player here in 2023? Well, hopefully I don't steal your guy, but I am staying along those same lines of a year two guy. And I think it's Samuel Womack. And, you know, I think mm-hmm. at the cornerback position, 49ers fans are kind of looking like, oh, man, who's that CB1? I think there will be a battle. I think the leader in the clubhouse is Diamador Lenore. But, man, Samuel Womack, a guy who has tremendous speed, tremendous length, not the tallest of guy, but has those long arms, and he has big-time playmaking ability. I think the game was just moving a little too fast for him early on. 
And man, you could put him on the outside. I know he's only 5'9, 5'10, but put him on the outside with that length, that speed. I think he's the guy, and we've seen that with, with 49 players, take that year two leap. I think it, it would be Samuel Womack. You know, and it's funny because it's it seems to always be the player that you're not really expecting. Like last year it was yeah. Aaron Banks, and it was like, oh, Aaron Banks couldn't even get on the field as a rookie. That might be a bust of a draft pick. And all of a sudden he's like, you know, put in the work, and he was ready to go. And, you know, back at his old spot. And uh, it, it's funny because Samuel Womack, it's, it's almost like, man, because uh, you hear Steve Wilkes talk about Isaiah Oliver, and they're like, oh, we wanted to get the best – you know, slot defender we could. And we, we thought we got the best one uh, in, in Isaiah Oliver and they signed him as a free agent. It's like, well, you just had a, you just had a fifth round guy who looked pretty good. Uh, I thought as a rookie, especially early in Samuel Womack, but Croc, you're talking about him as an outside guy, even more than a slot. So that's an interesting mm-hmm. one. And look, Delmador Lenore is five ten too. So it's not like Lenore has a size advantage over, over Samuel Womack either. Right. Interesting. I like that one a lot. Uh, I like I'm, the fit got, from a schematic standpoint too. I mean, a guy who could play off, he can play press and he can run with guys vertically with no issues. And I think that's there's one question mark with Lenore. And I think he played well last year. We saw the playmaking ability in the playoffs where he had multiple interceptions. Yeah. But man, that vertical speed is the one thing where and I always say you don't need it until you need it. Uh the, right. the, the sometimes guys just getting on top of him just a little bit too much. And that's the one thing that that worries me a little bit with Lenore, where I think he profiles better as a nickel but had to play more outside with the injury of Emmanuel Mosley. Shoes, you think Emmanuel Mosley, you know, he kind of had that year two breakout. Then eventually kind of year three, year four, you saw somebody that's like, hey, this is a starting corner in the NFL. And that's who I'm banking on Samuel Womack being. I like Samuel Womack. And I, I dude, I, I wouldn't put it past him that he beats out Oliver for the slot job either. I mean, I, I like a yeah. lot of what I saw from, from Samuel Womack. I'm going to go deeper sleeper on this one, and I'm going to say – I, I had two guys. It was it was between Jason Poe, who was a practice squad guy last year. He was one of my favorites in camp, and Marcelino McCrary Ball was also a practice squad guy last year. And the 49ers didn't draft any offensive linemen, so I'm gonna lead toward Poe because I think he's got an easier path to making the team this year. And who knows? I'm still gonna, I'm still pumping that that dark horse scenario of last year's rookie right guard Spencer Burford getting in the competition at right tackle this year, and Jason Poe sneaking in there at right guard and so i'm going to still i'm going to stick with jason poe but marcelino mccray ball and watching a lot of deep winners that's going to be one of our next guys that we're going deep dive on the film and watching jalen graham they were late picks sixth and seventh round marcelino mccray ball i saw a lot from him he's athletic i think he can compete with those guys so uh, i'm not going to put it past marcelino mccray ball even though they drafted two linebackers late that he can't beat both of them out potentially for you know number four linebacker spot uh behind burks and obviously behind uh Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. So uh, I'm excited for some of the uh, the practice squad guys from last year too to to really come in there and compete this year. We we can go more if you guys have any other uh, breakout candidates that you like or just guys that you're excited to see this year. I'm excited to I see Danny we, Gray. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. You know that's a guy who I feel like has a lot of potential. Last year there were things where I'm like, man, he clearly needs to work on this to be an effective NFL receiver. And a lot of times after you go through that year. You get that scolding from Kyle Shanahan heading into the offseason. Hey, look, we're going to bring guys in to replace you, so you better take that next step. And I'm curious to see if he's worked on those aspects of his game, Again, uh, his ability to create instant separation at the line of scrimmage, to play faster uh, in route to free himself up on underneath uh, breaking routes. Can he do those things? And if he does, I think you could see a year or two jump as opposed to just someone who, oh, man, you see – Danny Gray in, he's running straight or he's pushing vertical. So they right. should play softer, you know? Uh, so I, I would like to see him take that next step 
as a more intermediate route runner with the threat of really taking the top off of a defense. And if he can, then maybe he can overtake a guy like Ray Ray McLeod. Because right now you just have Ray Ray, McLe- Ray Ray McLeod penciled in as, oh, this is your de facto wide receiver four. And Danny Gray, you might not even be active on game day. And yeah. a bigger armed quarterback with more aggressive eyes too. There might be a combination of, okay, if Trey plays, maybe there's the Gray breakout. And if if someone like uh, Brock Purdy is is the guy all year long, then maybe it's a different sort of a, a breakout player. But it needs to what be about- a breakout regardless of who's that quarterback. Like, look at Tyreek Hill. He went to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, Tua there. And Tua isn't the most powerful throwing guy. Sure. But even then, he's still able to – And oh, gosh. Yeah, I go, you, you know, I'm throwing out Tyreek Hill and talking yeah. about Danny Gray in the same Danny Gray. I'm just saying same guy. someone who you assume, oh, he just takes the top off of defense and he's just powerful arm quarterback. But it's like, no, nah, man, you can have, you can have speed. That's, that's the comparison there, speed. You can have speed but still win with a guy that doesn't have the biggest of arms. So that's, the, again, that's the part. Because if Brock Purdy is going to be your guy long-term, then that's the arm you have to deal with. Yeah. So as an NFL player with, you know, an opportunity, you have to make the best of that. And it starts with you looking in the mirror and figuring out what you can do to help yourself more underneath. So it could be that. And it could be rookie receivers just struggle in Kyle Shanahan's offense typically. Yeah. That's a good call. What about like uh, an Elijah Mitchell breakout, like where he stays healthy, gets all those goal line carries because McCaffrey's yeah. not going to get it. And he, he has like a Jamal Williams kind of year where he scores like 12, 13 touchdowns. Well, look, and I, look, I play in a fantasy league with you, Wink, and I don't want to ruin my, my strategy here, but uh, I'll let you in on a secret. I'm all about whoever is running back two, three, four coming into the season for a Kyle Shanahan team, right? And, and we yep. know how those running backs have gotten hurt. And knock on wood, is Christian McCaffrey going to, get 20 carries a game for 20 more games like he did last year and was able to stay healthy. That's rare for any running back. It's not a McCaffrey thing. It's a running back NFL thing, uh, which is where running back value comes from. So yeah, whoever that number two running back is number three running back, uh, you know, you're one play away from being a Shanahan running back, which is usually a successful thing in the NFL. So yeah, JP Mason, I would throw him there as well because there's no guarantee that that the guys in front of them are going to be healthy all season long. Exactly right. There's a lot of good ones, actually, uh, on this 49ers roster. As good as they are and as many stars as they have, there's there's some breakout candidates. I'm excited for it. See some of these guys. Mm. Uh, dude, and look, uh, the 49ers traded up in the draft for a safety that they love, that everyone's my guy in the building. Like, all the coaches, all the scouts are like, this is my guy. And like, well, we got to draft everybody's my guy, who is Jair Brown. And, you know, Tashawn Gibson was really nice for them last year. But you know, he's only been on the 49ers for one year. We saw how... They treated Jimmy Ward. So, you know, I think I wouldn't be shocked at all if Jair Brown comes in year one, maybe even week one. There's your starting safety. Takes it over him and Hufunga. Absolutely. Love it. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks once again to Mr. Nicholas Winkler for joining the show. The Wink is on Wow. And Karak and I back tomorrow right here locked on 49ers. Booyah.